0: Before my HVAC experience, I got online and was Googling anything I could do to fix my own air conditioner. And I was outside in the middle of winter with a vacuum cleaner, trying to clean the coils and eventually had to call the guy and he shows up and he's like, you did what, right? You did what to this unit? Like, do you want a job? Would you like to, would you like the real job?
1: We get very different responses talking to people, (laughs) you know, they're not afraid to call me. They're not afraid to ask questions, but they also know I'm going to show up and I'm going to fix a problem for them.
2: let me thank the spot the sponsors of the podcast helping uh, get these awesome episodes out to you guys so first up we got visa logics have you ever had an annoying issue where you could have resolved it if you just had seen what the other person on the line was seeing? You could be busy you could be taking calls from either your technicians or your customers and it could be a nuisance call. It could be like a breaker that was turned off. They don't know how to turn on the system. Your tech is out there and they're trying to explain something over the phone and you, and you need to see it to help them out. Well, with Visa Logics Tether It Now, you can do that. It's like a FaceTime, like a video call. And you're able to, it's more of a virtual type of deal because you're able to draw on the screen, point out different things, take a photo and uh, have all these records and that you can use for like training later and you can kind of go back and see these issues that you helped resolve over the phone you can use live video augmented reality tools to guide you know your simple fixes see the situation maybe before you go out there maybe you need to go pick up parts or you kind of need to see something before you can actually tell them if you can go fix it or or whatever it may be so you reduce wasted trips increase customer satisfaction there's no apps no downloads just a text message and then they can get a link to connect. So the future of remote support has arrived. Learn more at visalogics.com slash HVAC. And with Jobber, that is a CRM that we use. So that is night and day. We used to do paper invoices and I hated it. I hated doing the billing. I blocked off a day to do it and it uh, just took up a lot of time. So once we switched over to Jobber, I don't really spend time in the office too much doing a pa- doing paperwork a lot of this stuff is already digital in their system i can schedule jobs which is maintenance it reminds me and it reminds the customer you know all that is done in the uh, software automated and then you can have really nice quoting invoicing and then send this out through email through pdfs a customer portal whatever you want to do to have the customer view it and then pay you online And, and you can take payments with jobber it's a lot quicker than the old mail out a check, mail out the invoice, collect invoices in person, you know, all that stuff. So check it out. Visit slash reliable HVACR. You get a two week free trial. You get a really nice discount. Go check that out. I appreciate the sponsors of the uh, podcast. Hola, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Reliable HVACR podcast. I appreciate you for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube or on any other platform, uh, watching or listening on the audio podcast, wherever you are, please subscribe, follow, comment, like all that good stuff. If you're on the audio podcast, like on Spotify or, or any of those other platforms, please leave a review, help out the podcast, get it out there. More, more eyes on, on us. And, uh, hopefully these episodes help out somebody now, uh, we're almost at 10,000. I just want to put that out there. I'm very stoked. That was the end of the year goal. So hopefully we hit that um, by the time this this airs, right? So this uh, week we have the team of Matt and Megan from Mechanical Environments. That is a company that they own, they run, and right now it's only two of them. Uh, they're out there just staying busy, getting work done, and they niched down into this side of the industry where they only do cannabis facilities, growth rooms, and flower rooms, whatever you want to call them. So they're dealing with specifically these products, these uh, environments where they have to control humidity, temp control, you know, be very careful around this product, About around the plants. These rooms are packed. These units are all over the place. They have over 10, 15, 17, maybe even more units to a customer that they have to deal with. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about their journey in the trade, uh, the whole full circle that that happened on their way to getting into their own business and uh, the stuff they see, the stuff they work on dealing in the cannabis HVAC industry and what it's like working up there in Denver, Colorado. They deal with a little bit of uh, altitude up there um, so you can follow Mechanical Environments over on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And I'm sure they have other platforms. I'll leave all of that in the description where you can follow them. Go check out some other work. Um, at the end of the, the podcast, we do go over some photos. So if you guys are listening, we'll try to explain as best we can. But if you need, if you want to see the photos, go check out you know one of their platforms. Follow them, or come on YouTube and watch the video version where I have the photos up on the screen. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let me let them do the talking and uh, welcome matt and megan of mechanical environments all right matt megan how are you guys doing good thanks for having us yeah i appreciate you guys for making the time i know we've been trying to kind of figure this out it's it's hectic when you're in the the trade that we're in you guys seem to be you guys seem to be pretty busy in what you guys do yes a lot of service calls
1: and emergencies
2: uh you guys are from uh denver right
1: Yes, we are based out of Denver, Colorado, but we work all over Colorado too. So, mainly Denver, Boulder, up and down the I-25 corridor. Try to stay out of the mountains because it gets costly and expensive. So, what's your what's your, radi-
2: what's your radius? Because like for us, it's not that hard to get to to the next town, but it is. We're in Texas, so it, it is a lot of ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we typically go two hours or so each way. What is your What is your radius look like?
0: It's pretty similar.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, oh, okay.
0: we, we try to stay in Denver-Boulder, which is like where all the parts houses are, you know, and yeah. then we'll venture for the right customers, you know, mm-hmm. two hours in either direction. Uh,
2: But is it yeah, is it very ice, isolated over there? Because you mentioned the supply house. Like, I'm lucky enough that even though it's it's a, or it's it used to be a small town, it's grown so much here um, down in South Texas and I actually have several supply houses that I can go to on the way to. You know, if I go two hours out, there's a couple on the way. And then we have this one city where like all the manufacturers that you can think of are actually there. Mm -hmm. Like in the the little plazas and stuff. And if you need equipment, you can go there. Are you guys real isolated or do you have have access to to get to a manufacturer or parts house?
0: It depends on where you are in the state. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so like Colorado has I-25, which just runs north and south. And along the highway, it's not too bad. You know, but when you okay. start getting into the mountains, you'll be at a spot where, you know, you're two, three hours away from the parts house, mm-hmm. you know, and the nearest thing isn't even a Home Depot. It's like the true value ace, you know, slash ranch yeah. supply store. You know, you'd be like, come on,
2: I just need one fitting. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, we used to be a small town, but I guess we're fortunate now. We have a few Home Depots, a few lows. Like it's grown a, a lot recently. And, uh, but, for you guys I'm, I'm assuming truck stock is important or like having the stuff that you need
1: very important because a lot of what we use isn't even on the shelf half the time
2: oh yeah i can imagine because i mean i i typically typically don't have to order too much unless it's like a special thing like here nobody presses so i got to get my press fittings mm-hmm. online online and whatnot just in case those are uh, my like emergency fittings and then uh everything else i try to keep on the, on the truck because the, my customers I, I typically deal with light like commercial which is um like restaurants and stuff they, mm-hmm. they love to call like at five o'clock hey <laughs> yeah. hey it's it's it wasn't working earlier i thought it would start working later i don't want to bother you and i'm like you should have just call me in the morning yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah we try to keep a stock of everything that we use all the time because that lets us shop it around you know because if you need like a specialty low ambient kit Five minutes before the parts house closes and you got to pay the premium it's going to be like it can be way more expensive you know so
2: yeah i i try to tell people truck stock is very important um and i had a Hvac jay on here last week and we we're talking about that too like uh, that's that's just one of my pet peeves like when uh i go help somebody and i'm like you see this equipment every every day can you please stock this because now we got to drive 30 minutes 40 minutes out and go get it Nah, just megan's a, real a, good at it. She, oh yeah because i heard you guys on Pat's talk about how uh you guys are very organized at, over there what you do um i'm i'm trying to go in that direction i just went digital with my invoicing and uh like i said the truck stock i used to be a messy tech and then you kind of see the more you organized you get the quicker the calls are the easier the calls are uh yeah. your week goes by better and uh it's just it helps you all around
1: yeah it helps keep me sane the more organized i can be for sure
2: (laughs) how's the weather out there where you guys are because i i would assume it's cold pretty cold
1: um it depends on the day to be honest okay so
2: yeah
0: i mean this week it snowed you know it was cold for a day then it warmed back up and then we had a few days that were in the 65 degree range so it can go either way you know
1: I mean last Christmas we had -14, you know, and we were out in it every day.
0: Damn. Because, yeah. In the cool. mountains it stays colder, you know, uh-huh. but color our Denver where we are is at the the base of the mountains, so a storm will come in and roll out, you know. Yeah. No, it's
2: not Yeah, cuz like it was uh 67 here where I'm at and I wanted to put a jacket on. I was cold. <laughs> not not used to that at all.
1: <laughs> no, that's like perfect outside working weather. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, but lately all my calls have been indoors. I'm like, this is the time to be outside. But of course, summer is when I'm out there in that 110 degrees and um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: can't yeah. can't get an indoor call at all. It's always out on the roof. Do you guys deal with any altitude? Um, and does that affect your you guys work at all? So all high altitude you accessories
0: guys... have to be installed. You know, so like when you read the book, and it's like if you're in high altitude. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, but really once you, it's like a lot of pressure switches on furnaces and things like that, like it's pretty trivial, but if you have a nuisance service call, you'll find that they probably didn't put the high altitude pressure switches in the furnace or things like that. So there is a little bit of high altitude. A lot of it's in the airflow side, you know, because Colorado here is a no humidity in the Mm -hmm. air market, right? So like the supply house will tell you to set your units up for 500, 550 CFM per ton, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't want to remove any moisture or you might crack the hardwood floors and ruin the piano.
1: But living in Colorado, like the altitude in general doesn't bother us.
0: Yeah, but- it will. because it will yeah,
2: be- I, I had some people ask me and they like I had uh, some requests actually to have more people from specifically Colorado. And I have a couple that I'm, I'm trying to get on here nice. uh, because people are curious about the, the altitude like. Working in it and then like dealing with the equipment up there.
1: Well, when you live in it every day, it doesn't affect you. But <laughs> I'm originally from Ohio, and when I would come visit, okay. like, it's no joke. Like you hydrate, you, you feel crazy it before you get out here. One beer is like four beers. Like <laughs> it's it's crazy <laughs> if you're not used. Yeah, because
2: because I'm a big like I watch well mostly basketball. I don't really watch the other sports, but like that's always the one thing. It's like that that Denver team, like mm-hmm. the Nuggets. It's like they have an advantage whenever a team comes in because like they get gassed or they get out of breath um Absolutely. And it, it's a big deal <laughs> but uh so you guys okay so then you're from ohio matt did you grow up in colorado or did you move there too
0: uh between colorado and california but yeah
2: oh you came from california
0: yeah originally
2: was it a major shock or change for you
0: i mean i moved here when i was a kid i moved back to california oh, okay. I moved, like I've, I've lived in both states a couple different times um i think they're pretty similar especially like going back the midwest east coast <laughs> way you know like california colorado do things in a pretty similar manner
2: on on the uh podcast i like to kind of get everybody's like uh, journey and story uh how did you guys get into the trades
1: well again i'm from ohio um so long story short i was dating a guy who moved out here and took a job so i would come visit him and i would visit my cousin and my cousin's husband is the regional manager for Gary Pacific Supplies here okay. in Colorado. So he was begging me for about six months before I finally was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll come do sales for you. So I was a TSM for one of the distribution houses for just over two years.
2: But did you have any prior experience no. before that? Oh, okay. and
1: no. He was like, you're mechanical enough. You work on your house. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah. You have the right ad- attitude. You'll you'll be just fine.
2: And she
0: became a territory sales manager for the mm-hmm. Amanda Goodman line in the yeah the region. Yeah. So how we
1: how ready. is that?
2: How is that like doing sales and all that uh, compared to uh, like what you do now? I, I don't know. Like, what was it hectic? Uh, did you like it? Did you didn't you didn't like it?
1: It was a great place to start for sure. Because um, again, not knowing anything about the industry. I bust my ass to learn everything I could, had flashcards, everything, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm helping contractors every day. I, I need to learn this stuff as quickly as I can.
2: Yeah. That that's when I had uh our I had the marketing team from refrigeration technologies before and like I, I told Jay last week, even if you guys even if women or anybody are not in the field but they're dealing with the products, right? You have to talk to contractors, um, and all the techs out there. You need to know your stuff. So You had to basically learn that when you went over there, right?
1: Yeah, I had to learn not only just the products I was selling, but we also did boilers and everything else, too. So IAQ had to learn so many products, so many product lines, different manufacturers, what their warranties are, what the perks of their products are, etc. And just working with contractors every day to try to Mm -hmm. better their business. It wasn't bad at all, but the funny (laughs) part of it is here in Colorado, like the best contractors aren't here. (laughs) Colorado is like the wild west when it comes to HVAC. So you can do service without a real license.
2: Oh, gotcha. That's one of those states.
1: So even though I barely knew anything about HVAC because I had read a manual, I could tell somebody how to do something. Cause like, we'll pull up your manual on this page. Like you need to do this. Like, why do I know this? And you've been in the trade for 30 years. (laughs) Like, yeah support. like
2: when when I or I've, I've thought about that before like that must be it must be it must take a lot to learn all that stuff because you like you had no prior experience and all the guys that are like in the supply houses or or they try to sell you this stuff uh, equipment wise or anything you got to learn a lot of information um honest like you said the manuals the best way to, to kind of get a grasp on that but yeah. uh yeah I, I get I get frustrated when I go into a supply house or, or something like that and I get the new guy mm-hmm. and I'm trying yeah. to explain to them and I try to tell them as simple as I can. And I still get the wrong part and I'm yep. there for a little yep. while. So <laughs> I, I can imagine it's a lot of information to take in. And uh, yeah, like, like what you mentioned right now about the knowing more than the text sometimes, like that was always my fear when I started like going into the supply house. I'm like, shit, I don't know what I'm, I, I need this part, but I don't know like part number or, specs yeah. on it or anything like that. So I always try to take the part with me and be like, I need this.
1: <laughs> yes, or at least have the model serial number with you of the unit. Like, if you don't bring that, we can't help you at yeah. all.
2: I, <laughs> I got turned away. I got turned away. When I started. I'm like, shit, I didn't. I didn't write anything down this. and that. I just thought I needed a pressure switch or whatever it is. And they're like, we have tons of those. I don't know which mm-hmm. one.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that,
2: yeah, that was a learning experience when I started and, and you just learn as you go And and you it is what you make of it basically.
1: Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. I mean, opportunities are so endless in this industry. I don't think I'll ever leave.
2: That's your company, right? Mechanical environments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys co own that together? We do. Yeah. Uh, Do you guys have any other techs or is it just you guys?
1: It's just us right now. We desperately need to be hiring because we can't maintain everybody that we have. And
2: yeah, we're in the same boat. I I I know how hard that is. Right. You just need like two more
0: vehicles and all the tools and, you know, like. (laughs)
2: we're yeah. we're, a, we're a family business so we I think we're right now we're down to four um and it's and funny enough it's my dad and his brother that do the hot side and it's me and my brother that do the hvac nice. um so we've had a helper in the past but like lately we've been really busy the, the hot side because like when it gets cold out ours slows down a little bit uh we do a lot of refrigeration so that keeps us busy but the hot side gets slammed like all year round. So they've been, they've been right. needing help over there, but it, it's hard hiring, right? Like finding good help, good techs.
1: Yeah. I'd rather have somebody green that we can teach. Yes. Everything that's, that's from what the I've heard. And no bad habits. Cause especially from a woman's standpoint. <laughs> and
0: the, and the angle that we're coming from, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause we're trying to present like, we're trying to, you know, do lots of photos, do digital invoicing, you know, like. Yeah, you things have things a different. Done,
2: uh, done a certain way that you guys, you know, that's how you yeah. guys work. And uh, so how did, how did you guys get in or how did you start mechanical environments, um, your company?
1: Well, I was getting frustrated with my sales position. Um, and then, of course, I work with contractors every day. So I had multiple contractors trying to hire me. And eventually I had an offer that I couldn't really say no to
2: like as a, as a tech or Um, sales and
1: operations for them. Okay. So, you know, I, I left my sales job at the distribution house, went and worked for a company that um, was trying to be an all-in-one stop shop for building cannabis facilities. And Mm -hmm. so I was helping run the HVAC division. And very quickly I unearthed a lot of nonsense because it wasn't being ran like a business very well. Mm. Um, the guy I went to work for was fired very quickly. And I called Matt and was like, um, I need you to come run this company because now I'm the smartest one here. So how <laughs> like I need your help. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cause we were, we were associated with a general contractor mm-hmm. for two years. We were doing the same kind of work that we're doing, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we were trying to do it across multiple States, right? Like, going to Michigan to build projects and have employees across, you know, different regions. And it, it ended up being a little bit more than the GC, you know, wanted to carry, yeah. right. They came from framing grew up to GC to also include multiple trades. And after a few projects realizes that they didn't really want to continue owning all the trades. So mm. mechanical environments was born as a spinoff. When they wanted yeah. to step back, but we had been, we'd spent the last two years developing customer relationships, you know what I mean? And things like that. So,
1: yeah, the clients and everybody was already there and they had no idea we didn't own the company already. So,
0: yeah. So okay. we've been in this space coming up on four years, three. but the,
1: coming up on three.
0: Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens, it happens to me too. Time, so.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, where mechanical environments was started a little later.
2: Yeah. So that, that, that came out of there and you guys specifically do like cannabis, uh, facilities, growth rooms, flower rooms, all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just cannabis. Um, so indoor ag, you know, and dispensaries, we'll do the dispensaries for our customers too. So,
2: and, uh, did that, was that the kind of work that you guys were doing for that other company? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how you kind of fell into it. They
0: they were trying to build these facilities, but then once all these facilities were up, there were growers all over like, hey, um, can anyone service this equipment? (laughs) You know, so a lot of people just don't do service, which is mind boggling to me. So They
2: they put in the equipment or or whatever, but they don't service it.
0: They just don't service it.
2: Yeah. So there'd be
0: facilities all over like, "Um, will anybody please come help me? You know, so there's just there was a big void. There's a big need. Yeah. And even while we were building, we're like, Hey, we're going to take care of all of these facilities. You know, like there's, this is the real market, you know, like chasing around new, new, like as a state comes online, they legalize cannabis. There's like Mm -hmm. quick, go build. You know what I mean? You make your money real fast and then that dries up and you got to get to the next state, but maintaining these facilities that have been built are going to be a much longer, you know,
2: of course. Yeah.
0: Draw. So.
2: Yeah. We're actually not like us. We're not in the, install construction side we're more service because there's there's a big need um down here in the restaurants uh and you know i'm I'm pretty good at what i do i I like to think but my dad is like i said the the cooking equipment and there there's a dire need for that side too where he gets actually called a lot to go four five six hours out and they're like we'll pay you whatever we just need you out there because there's no good techs out there like they have Fryers and things that are down and they can't be because you know the fast food chain can't close down. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's crazy that that you guys well, I mean, that's good for you guys. You got a lot of work, uh, you filled in that void, but that's crazy that there wasn't much service um, out there for that.
1: Well, and we hear so many horror stories from our customers too. <laughs> like, we just started working with somebody new and they were literally to the point where they were going to make their text. Were body cameras because they didn't trust anything that was happening.
2: See, I I heard that. I, yeah, I don't think I've talked to you guys about that, but I've I heard that, and uh, it reminded me because after, like, we started picking up work a, a few years ago from different restaurants and and stuff, and they were getting screwed over before by other companies, right? They were, they were getting billed for visits that were non-existent or there was one that was like, yeah, we paid for refrigerant every month. They kept putting it in and they never, never, they never worked on it or anything. And, uh, yeah, we've had to deal with, with different things that they come up with. Body cam is a bit extreme, but, uh, you know, signing in and out, uh, checking in with somebody, or there was a one that I had to make a phone call and it was like, I think, I think it would, I think it tracked my location or something, but Phone call, sign in and out, call when you leave, call call when you get there. And right now we're using some websites that allow us to do that now on the on the web. And right. there's another one that they made us download an app to do, like photos. And I can't upload a photo. I have to actually take a photo while I'm there. It, it won't let me upload. Wow. Yeah, it has to be on site. So we, we've dealt with that at first. We're kind of like, oh, you know, what is this? But it's because customers get screwed over a lot. There's a lot of bad uh, apples out there.
0: Yeah. Well, cannabis, th- these guys had a big target on their back, you know, like mm. it's, it's called the green tax, right? Where somebody would be like, oh, you, it's cannabis. We're going to charge three times more, you know, just because <laughs> these guys are, they must be making all this money. Yeah. And there was a time where that was true, you know, like when it was, it first came out and cannabis was worth a bajillion mm-hmm. dollars, but this is now Colorado's 10 years into this, like this market is maturing, The it's course correcting, like you don't mm-hmm. make this these bajillion dollar profits anymore you know so things are getting tighter and tighter so when people come in and you know try to just make all this money off these cannabis guys it leaves like a real sour taste you know like they just have a ton of equipment that's been abused and they have service for days you know so they just they've been taken advantage of many times where people are just trying to kind of come in and get get in, yeah, get out and, and make their money fast. Yeah, And
2: I've heard that too, because like, you know, like probably with residential where like they see a rich house or like a, a big house, Oh, we're going to charge more or whatever. But it's like, you know, we, we get the customers that we get um, because we charge, you know, the same for everybody. Uh, we are out there as quickly as we can. We treat everybody the same. So like, that's our, our, uh, the way we do things and, you know, customers appreciate that. And, it blows my mind when people do stuff like that, because you're making the quick buck, you're making, you know, you might make a lot that day, whatever it is, but returning customers is far more valuable because they're going to keep you busy all year round.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the fundamental idea, you know, is like <laughs> yeah. do good work and they'll keep you coming back.
1: Like we don't do any advertising. Everything's word of mouth for us because. Yeah. our customers appreciate us so much and yeah. even in the beginning we had to retrain our customers because again it was a market where it was throw money at it we'll mm-hmm. just replace this unit like no 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 let's let's <laughs> clean it it just needs a good cleaning it's dirty because you guys haven't been running filters on it like it doesn't need to mm-hmm. play yeah,
2: yeah we whole- had a we have a we have that too like where, where i go and fix things and it's like you know, I, I tell people, go ask like whoever's operating the equipment. Like for me, it's like the cooks or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And uh, like start a conversation, see where, where they tell you. They'll tell you when it started acting up and what it's doing and what it's supposed to do and all that. And uh, it's, a, it's a good way to start when you get a new customer. But uh, they love to just to tell you like, hey, just tell them to get me a new equipment or this and that. I'm <laughs> like, well, let me yeah. let me look at it first. Let me let me work on it. You know, I just need a cleaning or a new part, whatever it is, because that's how I make my money. Right. Because. Like I said, we don't do a lot of installs or or new stuff. Uh, We do change outs when we need to, but it has to be like pretty run down to where we don't want to or we recommend it. But if if it's repairable, you know, I'll I'll get in front of it and I'll I'll spend the day there and and try and fix it.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, that's how we are.
0: Do you have a lot of the like humidizers or built in DU into your package units down there?
2: no we don't we don't deal with with any humidity control as far as like what we work on we work on but we don't do hospital we don't do chillers or anything like that for them but we work in their kitchen so like i said i'm doing a lot of refrigeration work um the ac is kind of like the added bonus because you know while we're there they they might have us check the ac or whatever that's great
0: that's the niche part is what makes business a lot easier you know, it's like just like
2: saying, like with you guys, I was going to bring up you guys niched down and you guys basically only do um, like what we said, the, the cannabis facilities, the growth rooms.
0: It makes a huge difference. Like the other day we were listening, uh, Jay was talking about how when he goes into a facility, it, he just stinks for the rest of the day, which is totally true. But what helps is if you're, you know, taking care of the same clientele, people understand, you know, and their understanding of one another's needs, you know, like. In, in a restaurant parallel, like if you went to another restaurant you smelled like a deep fryer, like, Hey, I was at a deep fryer. you be like, sounds good. You know, <laughs> but if you tried to go to Mrs. Jones's house, you know, reeking like the back of McDonald's, you know, she'd have a problem. So like having the same clientele lets us like everyone understands more of what we're going through, but they also, it helps us prioritize, you know? So like we don't have a little old lady who needs heat, who's going to go in front of all the gardens. That's not going to happen. Right. Whoever has, like the hottest grow room is going to get the priority, you know, and everybody in the mix understands that need, you know, they all have grow rooms that if it gets hot there, they want priority service. So they're more lenient to, you know, like understanding that another grow needs their help needs, our help more than them at this moment, you know, because one day it'll be them so yeah. catering to an industry helps a lot.
2: Yeah. And we deal with that too. Like the, the priority thing, because Um, if they call, if somebody calls for an AC, you know, that can wait versus somebody that has a freezer down and and product product is thawing out or or they're going to lose a lot of money there. So like you said, like we niche down and it helps us a lot because I can focus on similar equipment, right? The, I can have my best truck stock, you know, just for that kind of equipment, you know, the stuff that I see every day, I see the same brands for the most part. And uh, I can, like I said, focus on just kitchen equipment. You know, I see this every day. I can work on it. I can be efficient. I can be good at what I do. And it's not a bad thing. I know a lot of people like to be a jack of all trades that does everything. At first, it was too much work way in our, uh over our head. And it wasn't being profitable. Not like it is now to where yeah. we can be picky. That's kind of one of the things that I tell people. Like, if you want to, you can get into a specific area of this trade. And still make a, bo- a boatload of money. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The bad thing about Colorado cannabis, though, the market, no two facilities are the same. So mm. we don't see the same equipment everywhere. We might be working on a chiller one day. We might be working on residential splits or, you know, custom built package units the next.
2: So there's no familiarity with those. It's It's all based on what they, I guess, thought was best. There's
0: familiarity <laughs> in that, like, they're all tuned to be as most latent removal as possible yeah so, like they're all doing a similar job uh yeah. but yeah like there's not just everybody does chillers like no there's especially in Colorado here where we're a little bit older of a market you know it was the black market goes live you know so there's a lot of like plywood and wood and pond tarp and at the very beginning it was really rough right a lot of five
1: ton residential splits
0: plants on the floor no drainage just go 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 because the first wave of investors were there to make their money real fast and bounce you know and like so there have been facilities built since there have been facilities that have been remodeled there have been total teardowns and rebuilds so you have all across the spectrum of like Places with just mini splits all over the place, places with custom built, you know, package units, places with chillers and air handlers like it depends on when it was built, who it was built by, you know, and like, what did the investing group care about, you know, because a lot of people are just like, get it done as cheap as possible, as fast as possible. You know, and other people like this is my mothership. I'm going to grow weed here for a million years. Please make it as absolutely
2: nice as possible. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So there's different, like you said, chillers, split split systems, like a ver- variety of uh, equipment that you guys see. Yeah. Uh, Jay had asked if you guys use the condensate from the uh, dehumidifiers for the plants.
0: So we only have one facility that's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, California is starting to require grows to start utilizing that condensate water uh just because the amount of it is is crazy right like they just throw all the condensate down the down drain The drain. so these cannabis grows though they'll, they'll water in like what's the per plant average
1: two liters max which is like 4.2 pints
0: per plant per day so it's not uncommon for them to water in like a thousand gallons or 1200 gallons per day you know going into these rooms and then a plant is only going to keep about 2% of the water you give it, right? It goes through the roots, up the shoot, and then it's evaporated out the leaf. And that's how it moves nutrients, right? It's just constantly evaporating moisture into the air. So that means you when know, you put a 1,000 gallons in and the plant's going to keep 2% of that. The rest of that is all going to be recondensed in the form of condensation, you know, from dehumidifiers, ACs.
1: Yeah.
0: And it all goes down the drain, you know, because they can
1: i think it's going to come though to where they have to reclaim it
0: yeah yeah they're they're starting with like ro water you know where they're taking city water they're pulling absolutely everything out of it so it's clean as possible and then adding their nutrients to it so a lot of it is in infrastructure right like not many places have a, a underground tank to collect all of that water like how do you get it all back you know to the processing place like the central water room so it's it's going to be coming more and more and more in the next few years as the cost of water rises as Mm -hmm. they're forced to do it really like
1: i mean we've got one client who's paying for water rights right now so he is working on a reclamation system
2: yeah that sounds sounds way better than dumping it but uh uh I guess, yeah, because Jay's from Canada. So he said that all of his uh, do that up there, I guess. I, he would just was wondering if you guys had seen that.
0: Yeah, it's it's fresh. Like California earlier this year started imposing you know, that it has to be done. So some of our multi-state operators are starting to do it in California and looking at ways to start to implement it back in Colorado. So it's coming. It just wasn't required and nobody spent the money except for we have one facility where all of the the condensate drains run to a giant tank and there's a small waterfall of constant you know water and then they pump that back through their reverse osmosis system and water it back to the plants i mean before mechanical environments i was doing uh light commercial hvac so i was doing a lot of restoration mm. work uh, a lot of retrofits things like that so turning over strip malls to be new tenant finishes you know, all like.
2: Okay, so then you came was you said light commercial, right? Yeah. So you came from that, and right now, just like listening to you guys, you have to know a lot of about these plants and how that works, right? How they, uh, like you explain about the whole water thing, the two percent and everything like that. Like, was that a lot to information to take in from switching over, like to from light commercial? I don't know if you did, if you did just HVAC work. Was that a lot to take in or learn?
1: Well, we didn't tell Matt's full backstory.
2: yes. I I actually
0: got into HVAC from cannabis um, Mm. and then kind of full circle return. Because I had a unit that was running um, all year round and making a lot of noise, and it was a problem. So before my HVAC experience, I got online and was Googling anything I could do to fix my own air conditioner. And I was outside in the middle of winter with a vacuum cleaner trying to clean the coils and eventually had to call the guy. And he shows up and he's like, you did what, right? You did what to this unit? Like, do you want a job? Would you like to, would you like the real job? So that was, I got into HVAC, you know, from a garden experience, but then, Uh, you know, had been more in, you know, restoration, like kind of walked away from it. And mm -hmm. then when Megan called and was like, Hey, um, (laughs) would you like to be the vice president of this company? You know, and let's just go solve all these cannabis problems because you
2: you're
1: know the, you're the only one I know that actually knows <laughs> cannabis and is not an idiot contractor. So like, please come save me. <laughs> that could be fun.
2: That that that's awesome. That's that's a cool story there. Then you started on uh, in that cannabis industry, but you were trying to fix your own equipment and then that's how you got your foot in the door basically into HVAC. Yeah. yeah. That's that's interesting, that's awesome. Um
1: But for some- my aspect, I didn't know anything about cannabis, really. So I have had to learn a lot and, you know, be able to run these load calculations for these guys based off of everybody's unique conditions and how they're growing. So...
2: Is that another thing that you guys see? Um, in, improper, like load calculations or, or sizing of the equipment? Uh, where well, you guys every, service? Every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. Every day.
1: <laughs> Most of these facilities were built by somebody who just, you know, stamped what somebody said no thought or anything was put into it for the most part. Cause a lot of times when a new customer, you know, calls us and we're walking their facility, well, let's talk about your problems, whatever. Well, let's run some quick load calculations, just, mm-hmm. just the basics. And we can pretty quickly tell them that they're short on sensible cooling. Yeah, it depends that's, on something, you. that's something that I need to
2: work on because I see that a lot too. The, the whole like um, either improper sizing or just bad installation. Um, Ooh, yeah that too as, as we get a lot of cold spots hot spots and i'm like why are there 10 vents in the back area that nobody occupies but the kitchen only has like three vents like right a lot of weird stuff
0: yeah we see loads too much cooling too little cooling like it it's just not really defined well by the engineers right so it can come from a lot of different places like Oftentimes people they'll do, they'll build a school and then they'll try to build a cannabis facility and be like, this seems like enough cooling, you know, but like really the simple of it is if the grower puts it in, we'll, will take it back out, you know? So if you're going to put in a thousand gallons of water a day, we're going to give you the dehumidification to remove a thousand gallons of water a day. You know, if you're going to put a million Watts worth of lighting in here, We're going to have enough sensible cooling to battle a million watts worth Mm -hmm. of lights back out. You know, and then a lot gets lost in like equipment deration. You know, when your load says you need five tons of sensible doesn't mean you need a five ton unit. It means you need five tons of sensible, you know, so we see loads wrong that way. But nowadays, these buildings that were built for high pressure sodium, so the old school lights that got hot, hot, hot. Mm -hmm. are being pulled out and leds are going in okay so these facilities that were designed for huge sensible loads are now filled with leds and now they're all oversized you know for the low sensible that's in there now and it's shifted to a heavy like dehumidification latent removal load that once was only almost purely sensible you know so it's it's all over the board
2: so you guys not only service, but you got to correct a lot of the uh, the issues due to that, like uh, sizing or, or uh, humidity, all that stuff.
0: Well, I mean, I think a good service process starts with setting decent expectations. You know, like if we roll in and somebody's like, "Hey, I have this tiny little unit that doesn't work good," you know, you could really quickly run the math and be like, "Dude, you need like twelve of those." You know, like before you go spending time fixing this little unit, like let's talk about what's even possible in this room because. You know, the yeah. loads that we're running aren't that complicated because, like I said, it's like, what are your lights? Add them up. What are you watering in? Add them up. And let's see if it matches the data plate to what you have here, you know? Because,
1: yeah, duration on the dehumidifiers is always a big surprise to most of our cultivators. Yeah, there's that. Because dehumidifiers are rated usually at 80 degrees Fahrenheit and 60% humidity. And nobody grows at that. So, what they think they're getting out of these units that they were sold isn't actually what they're getting. So we have to break their little hearts and be like, well, you actually, you know, you're getting about half the capacity. Yes, that says it's a 300 pint per day unit, but you're really getting about 150 pints at the temperatures and humidities around.
2: Oh, gotcha.
0: Dehumidification is a huge portion. Yeah. And like, what's funny, so Colorado, it's part of what makes it different than normal HVAC here, right? Because we are in 500 CFM per ton. This is dry, dry, dry. Everyone is humidifying the air. But then inside Um, a building where they're dumping thousands and thousands of gallons on the floor every day humidity is an absolute problem you know so these units are running more like they would be you know in central florida or somewhere with a much stickier climate you know so as a service tech you got to kind of remember that that like this isn't you know colorado inside this building inside this building it's jamaica right like and we got to adjust our sensible latent loads and things like that
2: so uh somebody had asked about humidity control we've talked a little bit about that and they also asked about odor management is there any odor management or do you guys just have to deal with it yes that's
1: everybody's required to have an odor mitigation plan each facility per the county they're in um
0: yeah cannabis is funny because they they stuck a lot of regulations on cannabis that people wish could be put on other things, right? Because it's a new industry. So odor control was a huge one where they're like, this is going to smell. Everybody's going to have to really control their odor. So the tool of choice is the carbon filter, right? The It looks like a small water heater. It's round. It's got activated carbon in it. And you pull air through it. It absorbs right the VOCs and then you can discharge the air outside. But odor mitigation is more a dance in government compliance than it is on making sure it doesn't smell outside because they're not like policing that the smell is outside they're running around and making sure that the plan you submitted that includes 12 fans are being changed on the schedule of the date you submitted mm-hmm. on the time you submitted and that you have the forms for the filters you changed on the days you said you change them. like doesn't matter that it doesn't smell outside it's a dance in like you said you'd do this, we're here to investigate that you did what you said you'd do. You know, that's standard odor compliance. You can have a neighbor start to, you know, like, call, like, yeah. and have the state come investigate odor problems. But they're, at that point, they're just gonna kind of go up the same chain, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and then maybe try to figure out what's going on. But most of it is a dance-in. Like, you said you'd have the filters, do the filters.
1: But there's often multiple facilities next to each other, so yeah. who really is causing the smell at the end of the day? <laughs> you know, yeah,
2: is that is that part of like a is that part of what you guys do for maintenance, like the the, the mm-hmm. filters and everything?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll change out the big old because they're big carbon filters. So once they get soaked up with that moisture, they are hard to move. Like, and it's not very safe for cultivators to be up on ladders trying to do that.
0: Yeah, some of these carbon filters, like they could be, if it's a 12-inch carbon filter, 12 inches is the inner diameter, Outside's probably like 18, 24, and they can be 4 feet tall, you know, and weigh close to 100 pounds going in. And then they'll absorb moisture as well as VOCs, so they'll be like two, 300 pounds coming out. So we'll bring the material lift in, you know, and swap them out so that they don't have to like do it on a step stool or whatever <laughs> cheesy thing they're going to attempt to do.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I see that all the time. I'm just like, you know, let me, you know, call me, <laughs> let me do it. Don't get yeah. on any high ladders because we ha- we deal with a lot of high ceilings and stuff. Yeah. Um, Same. So, so do you guys, uh, is maintenance a big part of your business too? Is you, do you uh, I, I don't know if you guys ever get slow, but does that keep you busy as well? The maintenance?
1: It absolutely keeps us busy. Um, we preach maintenance because these units mm-hmm. run 24 7, 365. So, yeah. and, there's nothing a cultivator loves to do more than pull out a filter. So we clean a lot of equipment.
0: (laughs) Well, these guys are on a very predictable schedule, you know, like growing cannabis is repeatable right? and they clean the room all the time. Like they kick up a lot of dirt. So if they're not on their filter changes, their equipment's going to need deep cleaning pretty regularly. And then two, some of these facilities are placed in locations where it's like a lot of them will be next to a concrete plant or Mm -hmm. where they're like busting down road waste or by the highway or off a dirt road, you know, like they're not where the air is super clean. So a lot of these condenser coils are just like, like Megan said, that outdoor fans running all the time and that concrete plants crushing all the time, you know, like they're going to get dirty. So yeah, if, if we can talk people into it, it makes a lot of sense to like, you got, 45 units let's maybe spread the cost of cleaning these out over the year instead of you know here's summer let's uh mad dash to clean your roof
2: yeah because like uh like what i was saying about uh earlier that it's like my area is growing a lot there's a lot of construction the highways being completely redone mm-hmm. so i always tell the customers that are closest to it uh think about you know getting on a, a maintenance plan that's a little more uh frequent because i can already tell you that the, that those condensers are going to be plugged up. And sure enough, every time I go out there, it can be like six months or, or whatever. And it's like, it's black, you know, when you're washing them out. Um, how often do you guys have to maintain? I don't know if this is considered like, like, is it critical equipment? Like, like, I don't know how I'm assuming, like you said, they run 24 seven, they're very, uh, th- they don't want that to go down at all. So like, how often do you guys have to maintenance these?
1: It really depends on the customer. We have a lot of the customers who only fix it when it's broke,
2: oh, but okay. we have other
1: customers who are, you know, the good customers that you love to work with that are mm-hmm. like, I completely understand the importance of maintenance. We'll schedule it and we'll get on their harvest schedule. So when okay. the room comes down, we'll clean it then to where we're not having to work over plants and potentially damaging plants. Cause we dropped a tool or something.
0: <laughs> Indoor and outdoor is different, right? Yeah. So like if, if we had it our oh, way, yeah. we're going to do outdoor inspections you know, like getting ready for summer, getting ready for winter, right? Same, same kind of schedule Mm -hmm. for indoor airflow wise. uh, These guys, it takes eight weeks to flower cannabis, right? Eight to sometimes they'll push it to 10 or 12, but Mm -hmm. there's going to be a week of like resetting the space, right? So they, they got to bring in all the plants, clean all the tape, you know, clean all the walls, wash everything. So we try to get any of the indoor work done, in the the dip in their cycle right when like the rooms are empty when they're in cleaning mode because that's when we tell them like hey when's a good time for a new filter day one right after you just got done cleaning the floor you kicked up all the dust and debris Mm -hmm. and now your filter is totally loaded like get a freshie in there so if the unit's in the room we have to maintenance on a like when is the room empty if the equipment Mm -hmm. is outside you know we can do it more on a like let's get ready for summer so it's
2: the same as far as like the customers you get, because we have the customers that are like that, like whenever it breaks, we'll call you, whatever. And then we have some that are are more, I think we do like six months for the uh, AC equipment. and That's the one that makes us use the app. So it's like the app will remind me. Uh, they're pretty good about it. And then we have a hospital or, or a couple of them. I think we're going to get uh, a few more now, but those, they worry about that equipment all the time. Um, so they had us... At one point they had us out there bi weekly, but now it's like monthly. Wow. Just to make sure that nothing goes down, clean the the coils, um, check on the walk-ins at a lot of older equipment. Uh, we're in the process of changing out some of the old stuff, but it, it just depends on your customer. But but I really like the hospital work, they're very clean. They uh have us out there pretty often, they're pretty good about maintenance, and then there's some that they've been saying like there's one that there's one chain. Of, of this fast food uh, restaurant that's been telling me like, yeah. And it's been like two years. Like, yeah, we'll get on it. We'll, we'll call you out here. We'll get something scheduled. And it's been like two or three years. And I'm like, well, we're still waiting on that, that <laughs> agreement there. But, um, right. every, every time I get called out to that, that customer, I, I kind of already know I'm like, it's probably just dirty. You're calling me out here for all these different units and it's just me cleaning them. Isn't that
0: what Jim Bergman said, right? HVAC, <laughs> you're just really fancy janitors. Right, because equipment guess so. should only get dirtier over the course of its life. You know, if installed properly, it should only need cleaning.
2: If, so. if installed properly, and then uh, honestly, if it ever breaks down, it's always something real basic, right? You got to check your airflow, and then your electrical. Mm-hmm. It's it's hardly ever anything too difficult. The only thing that we have to consider is uh, certain restaurants, like specifically like pizza places that we deal with. Uh, their walk-in boxes have a lot of, like vegetables, like onions and different things that have acid. So then, like those evaporators get eaten over time. Mm. And sure enough, you know, if it's an older equipment, I, I usually check the uh, the evap. I do a leak test, and we'll find like little leaks on the on the ends and stuff. So, but it's it's like you guys. You got to know your what you're cooling your product. You know the stuff that you work on so for you guys like it's it's the the cannabis the plants you got to know how all that works how is it working in those growth rooms because you you talked about working over, like do you guys work over plants often like how careful do you have to be how is it working i i think i've seen you guys up on like high areas where like you have plants around you um do you need them to move stuff when you go work like how does that work
1: yeah. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of these facilities, um, when they were built, all they cared about was their canopy space, right? So every square inch floor to ceiling, wall to wall canopy, they want it canopy. Equipment is hung as high and tight to the ceiling as possible. Who cares if you can't get a ladder up there to service it because it's never going to break. Right. So I, I we've, got,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: we've got some facilities where we have had to like unbolt their benches from the ground to move them to try to get a ladder in. We've got some facilities that have, you know, structural beams that we literally can't move a bench Mm. to get in a rack. We have to use scaffolding in some facilities. um, Oh, yeah, I saw the plants. And sometimes we just had to be like, we literally can't fix this until the room is harvested so we can like get to this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Plant liability is a dance because you know at first it'd be like well can we wait until there's no plants?" you know like if i you know i don't want to be over your plants if i don't have to be you -hmm. know and they're like oh it has to be done now like that we share a little bit of this you know like responsibility for working over the plants because and that's what we do a lot of like we try to work with people who are building new facilities or working on their remodel and be like this is called serviceability right that you need an area for your ladder to go you know because each facility is Created a little different. So most, yeah, that,
2: that would be great. Cause I deal with that a lot too. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, just trying to get them to see the benefit because it saves them money on their service ticket anyway. Cause if I'm fixing something off a ladder with one hand, it's going to take longer. Like you're going to have to pay mm-hmm. more money, you know, so they get it once they see it. But at the very beginning, when you're looking on a blueprint, be like, Oh, I don't care about any of that. You know? So, <laughs>
2: Yeah, because I've actually had some that that like we go like to uh, do a walkthrough or whatever, like it's a new customer or potential new customer. And there are some that I'm like, so glad that they, they didn't call us because that <laughs> equipment is up against a wall. And like, how am I going to open this or that? And uh, they put a lot of uh, condensers like and then we have a, we had some that remodeled recently. And I don't understand this, but like, you know, they're paying for it now. Um, They remodeled these restaurants or fast food chains. And behind the register they they are really adamant about having these small reach and coolers and freezers that are under counter like they they really they really love those and for some reason they started putting them back to back and i'm Mm -hmm. like you know the condensers are in the back you're just like circulating hot air to each compressor and sure enough right after they remodeled one by one each store compressor dead compressor dead compressor dead and they refuse to listen so they just you know they had us fix the ones that we could, and then they bought uh, new ones because those are kind of cheap for them. And they just put them right back where uh, the previous one died. And I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna have problems later. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, on our job walks when we're walking a new facility, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of that where you know mini split condensers are all blowing into each other. Like, who did this without a stand and no proper drainage? Oh, like yeah. this is a heat pump. Like this is gonna be an issue. Or like this is never going to get out of here without a crane because all the all these condensers are in this farm that are just too close that you can barely even get in there to work on it.
2: Like yeah, sir, serviceability, like you said, is a, is a big thing. I wish we had more of that because like, and, and I I try to be mindful too of of like where I'm working because like there's it, it's restaurants there's uh cooks and people walking back and forth a lot so. I try not to leave my tools in the way and, you know, stuff like that. And then I, I do like drop cloths for the uh, the food, like the boxes of food in the, in the freezer and stuff whenever I have to hose down a, a coil, stuff like that. We try to take care of them. Nice. Um, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nothing like like what you guys deal with, you know, that uh, cannabis and stuff. I'm sure that's a little or that's more difficult to work around. They're but...
0: different. I mean, nobody's stepping <laughs> over me. I will give you that. Like, you got good patience for that. <laughs> you know, like, it's more... <laughs> it
2: like, took a while. It's,
0: they'll, you know, show you to the back of the room and point and be like, yeah, it's that that one, right? Be like, do you need a ladder or something? Like, we'll be up front. You <laughs> know, so you're, like, in the back corner of the facility on the ladder. But like, God dang. You know, so working around people is difficult. Like, that's...
1: I mean, there are yeah. occasionally, occasionally the days where... Cause a lot of these facilities, um, grow on mo- mobile benches too. So mm-hmm. it might be a one or two tiers in a room, but the, the benches move. Okay. So if they might be in there trying to defoliate and, you know, clean up a room well, we also need to be in there working, but that's their schedule. And like you called us today, you know, and we're <laughs> here and there's only enough room for one aisle at a time to be open. So mm-hmm. it's like, OK, well, we're going to go work on this unit when you guys run to lunch, holler at me, we'll come in here, we'll try to knock this out. So there is some planning sometimes like that that has to be sorted out. Or, I mean, the light schedules, because a general flower room is going to be 12 hours of light, 12 hours of darkness, and some people's lights might turn off at noon. So I have to be there and out of that room by noon, you know, or I've got to finish up with a green light on.
2: Mm hmm. That sounds a lot like what I have to deal with, too, because like, um, you know, when they get deliveries or when they're, they're stocking the the walk ins, uh, we have to work around their schedule. Sometimes I have like, like I said, the hospital, um, the hospital that we have, they have a schedule to where their kitchen closes for like, I only have like an hour if I need to do anything, like if I need the space. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, work, work, workarounds when you deal with you know product because like Mm -hmm. that's what i always tell people like product is a little different like for me it's refrigeration um like for food and and stuff like that but there's i've always been intrigued by the the other side of it right the the process cooling and all that where it's like flowers or it could be like a manufacturing uh Mm -hmm. warehouse you know all that stuff has to be controlled it's not for human comfort it's just for like products and different things and that's uh It's another side of HVAC and it's very uh, lucrative as well.
0: Yeah. I'd say that well describes where the cannabis space lives, right? Process cooling, you Mm -hmm. know, mean comfort cooling.
1: Yeah. We're dealing with a lot of low ambient situations, a lot of humidity. Everybody always thinks their reheat and their humidizers and the carrier units are going to solve all their problems. But I'm like, well, did the manufacturer tell you that only works down to 40 degrees, the ambient temperature outside. Like, what are you doing about your humidity in the wintertime? Does it always struggle? Yeah, actually, now that you say that, like, well, because <laughs> somebody promised you a lot that this can't perform. So <laughs> we've,
2: we've had to, to break that to customers sometimes too. It's like, you know, what are you expecting out of this equipment versus, you know, what are you getting out of this equipment? Right. It's like, um, yeah. sometimes, sometimes people just sell them what they want to sell them. And like you said, the installers might not answer their phone anymore. They might not be the one servicing it. They don't really yeah. care. They just yeah. install it and move on to the next one. And then I have to go in there and tell them. Because like with the... uh Well, with w- that one that was put in the back-to-back, I don't, I don't understand that. That's the remodeling. Yeah. It was the old equipment that was already there and they remodeled. So whatever. That's where they wanted to put it. But I have others that are like pizza restaurants, right? They have the big pizza oven in the middle and then they have an open cooler right in front of it. And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> like you need to keep, cause uh, it's like a prep station cooler, right? Where they keep yeah. the condiments and there's a, a door kind of on top that they can close, mm-hmm. but they love to leave it open all day. And I have to kind of educate the customer. Cause I'll even pull up the manual and I'll tell them like, yeah. it, it tells you exactly what the ambient should be. And if it exceeds that it's going to struggle, it's not going to keep temp. Can you please keep the door closed? It says in the manual, if you're not busy, keep the door closed, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not really a cooler up there. It's just kind of, it, you, a lot of this stuff you have to put the product in already cold and it just maintains it. Right. So a lot of these customers expect a lot of, of their equipment, they might not know how it works and you got to educate them on it and then, uh, kind of break the news to them sometimes, right? Like this is not going to work. We got to, we got to change something.
1: Yeah. We do a lot of educating our customers and luckily we do have a good Um, most of our head cultivators are excellent. Like they really know when there's a problem in their room and Mm -hmm. are willing to help diagnose along the way. Cause we do a lot of troubleshooting over the phone to where they can push the problem off or fix it, you know, remotely sometimes to where it's not an emergency anymore and it can wait a day or two.
0: There's a good parallel. listening to Pat's podcast, the head cultivator and like a restaurant manager Mm -hmm. have a similar, like set of needs and goals, you know, like when can you get me back online? How is it going to work? Like, you know, this is my schedule. I need it back fixed by here. You know, so the head, if the head cultivator is on board, you know, they can buy you some time, you know, they can like, it's process cooling, but we, we have a little bit of leeway, right? Cause like Megan Mm -hmm. was saying the lights are on for 12 hours a day and then they're off for 12 hours a day. So if you can limp along to that 12 hour off period, right. You buy yourself another little bit of time. So like, Having the cultivation staff being trained enough to like know where the filters are and be willing to like like, work with you, you know, be like, Hey, go over to the room, check the thermostat. You know, like, what are you, what's happening? Like, can we get you to this off period, you know, to Mm -hmm. where it's not like right now it's as soon as possible still, but it's not like right this second. So yeah.
2: Yeah. We deal with, we deal with those calls like on the weekend and stuff. Like, like you got to, got to have like a checklist as well sometimes you know did you check the breaker because that's a, a thing they like mm-hmm. to do right they, they well like for us they turn off the breaker to the freezer because t- it's too cold for them and they're trying to stock in this and that did you check the breaker did, ma- <laughs> did you make sure it was on um also i kind of have to keep track of the defrost times and stuff like that like how long has it been off you know the fans turn off or whatever it is so there, there's a little checklist it's a lot of Well, what we deal with is a lot of customer service as well. People don't realize um, being able to talk to them over the phone, talk them through some stuff, uh, getting there and having a conversation about what, you know, what their equipment is doing, what's what's wrong with it. They'll give you a lot of information. And uh, yeah, like you said, like working around, you know, when can you get there and and stuff like that? It's it's always it's a lot of customer service that we have to deal with. And it took me a, a while to realize that when I started. Cause I just wanted to get in and out and do my thing and, and get out of there. But uh, if you take the time to, to talk to them and uh, build that relationship, that's a, that's a big deal too.
1: Yeah. And luckily we have access to a lot of people's controls. So one of the things I can do is hop online and be like, well, your sensors in the room are dead. Go put, replace the battery. Mm, yeah, and then will yeah. cool again, you know, which saves us a lot of time and energy from not having to be on site every time, because we can prevent some service calls that way.
2: Yeah, I'm the same way. We try to prevent, you know, uh, nuisance calls. So like, we're we're a little too busy to be like, you know, we want like, you know, calls twenty four seven. You know, I would like to, some time off as well. Um, do you guys work a lot of overtime in your in your business? Like, uh, is every call like an emergency call?
1: I mean, we work past five just about every single day. Okay. and usually it's on the weekends to some extent and even if we aren't in the field it's you know catching up on office stuff mm-hmm.
0: not everything's an emergency but a lot of things have like a tight timeline you know where yeah. we'll be doing like hey we need you to to rehang these jehus or sw- swap out this ductwork, but the room's going to be down for these three days you know or these four days right so you got to plan around those four days and that means the service calls that come up you know in that window got to get squeezed in So like not everything's necessarily an emergency, but we're often on, like, a pretty tight schedule for trying to get a project done when it's convenient for the customer.
2: A lot of the stuff that you do is technically air conditioning, right? Because you, uh, you deal with a lot of AC units, and that's year-round, right? Whether it's hot outside, cold outside, uh, this is the equipment that you see uh, year-round, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might have to shovel our way to a unit, but we're working on the AC. Everybody's got, you know, <laughs> white... What's the tpu what is it yeah yeah really slick uh, roofs. Know, the,
2: <laughs> the white roofs I, you know, yeah we got we had a ton of them that just redid them recently and i, I oh, it's don't so know.
1: bright isn't it
2: yeah because <laughs> yeah. so it, it's always real sunny here and uh one time i forgot my sunglasses and i was like just up there with like a headache the whole time <laughs> right. oh and the
1: sunburns from the fresh roofs like that's it gets so intense up there
2: <laughs> yeah i try to keep i try to keep covered as much as i can just because there's the white roofs too and then like here it gets pretty hot and the the sun is pretty intense so just got to cover up
0: the number one conversion is getting a unit ready to run for winter time is how are you going to maintain the head pressure when it starts to go below 65. you know so we use a ton of like the icm product line they make great universal head pressure controllers uh like the bare minimum is the little peanut switch you know, where you just screw it on the liquid line and it's going to bang on, bang off at like 300 to 400. Yeah. And that'll cycle your fan. But those drift, right? Those, those that go bad. I don't know if you run into those failing at all, but they'll start, to, instead of opening at three and closing at four, they'll start to open at 350, close at 450, and kind of work their way out of range. So, like, I've, we've I've had, had that them
2: more. I've had that more with mechanical ones. I've actually i use i stock the peanut ones just because you know they're they're easy to stock and they get me out of a bind on the weekend but uh, i don't think i well i deal with more of uh the ones that go bad on me are the low pressure switches so like the mm-hmm. like when they pumps down and stuff like that because it's usually on walk-in freezers
0: because some facilities like chuck you know chuck in a truck set that up there <laughs> and they're like yeah it just doesn't work good in the winter like well it could work way better in the winter Because you see different problems, right? If you have no low ambient Mm. kit and it's really cold outside, your liquid line will freeze, right? You'll Mm -hmm. freeze in the opposite direction of a typical freeze up. So there are there are some funny problems. But once you start to fix them again and again and again, they get trivial, as I'm sure you know.
2: Have you guys ever, like, done any damage to some of the the plants and stuff?
1: Oh, yeah. I snapped some branches this week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with piece how, do, of
2: how, does, how does that conversation usually go with the customer
1: honestly they usually don't care they're just so happy that you're there fixing <laughs> their problems because even i was like well give me a ballpark of what you think and i'll take it off your yeah. voice like like it's, it's my own fault you know i did it but at the same time they're like we don't care i'm like okay well if you change mine let me know
2: <laughs> is but- it is it hard not to break anything like damage the plants
1: some facilities are harder than others because some of those um rows are so tight together and like you're they bound don't, to hit them. <laughs> it, it, there's no way to not hit them half the time. Like it's it really is like because again we listened to Jay and he was talking about how you kind of have to like swim through oh yeah <laughs> the plants and it truly is like you have to constantly be pushing plants out of the way to get to some locations. Like you're lucky if you can get a ladder between most of the racks. It
0: Mm -hmm. comes down to the cultivator because the cannabis plants would just be flopping all over the floor if it wasn't for the the tight plastic trellis. And the trellis comes on a roll and they put like three or four layers in as the plants grow. And they like, so some facilities are on it and the plants are in their little like trellis, you know, jail and it's not a problem. Other facilities have like the one layer of trellis and everything's barely hanging on. And every time you move something, the plant's like, you know, so (laughs) some facilities have better forethought and other facilities. You just can't move around without a plant threatening to like fall over. So it's all my,
2: my biggest fear is like, you know, when they have, when they're, cause like they make certain, like, I don't know, like coleslaw or they have macaroni pre-made something in the, in the, in the coolers. My main thing is like you know, can you please move it? If not, you know, I just got to be extra careful. I don't want to screw to fall in there or something crazy or you know anything any of my tools. So I'm always cautious about like my surrounding. You know where I'm at. Try not to one one knock anything over, but also just not have anything fall in the food because that is a whole other lawsuit that I don't want to have.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, and being being aware of your surroundings is a good point for sure because. Yeah, it's something no, that I had to
2: teach my brother when he started because, like, he would throw the extension cord everywhere and have all the <laughs> equipment in the way. And I'm like, dude, can you leave a pathway? Like, yeah. you know, there, there's that, too. I don't want anybody tripping. Well, mm. it's
1: usually for our own safety on our aspects mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a your units right here, but there's also a fan right here. And then, oh, here's a sprinkler pipe where you might, you know, set that off two inches behind you because <laughs> you have this little area that you can barely fit in to access your unit. So it's usually for our own safety that we need to be aware
2: yeah, like of. In, in the hospitals, wherever I had to braze, like that's why I have the press tool now in case I need it for the, for those situations in case I need to braze. I mean, for one, they have a whole uh, fire watch fire permit thing that they have at the hospitals, but um, everywhere I had to braze, because all the condensers on the regions are on the top of the unit. There was always like a sprinkler uh, system right there. Had <laughs> right have to be extra careful.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. worth the press tool right there.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Do
0: you have the RLS press tool or?
2: Yeah, I have the RLS one. Um, so I got like a, a little pack out that has all the couplings in it. So this is a typical day in your industry, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of hard to see because there's no plants on that okay. rack. But there's... for the,
0: for the patio, uh, uh, audio listeners, this is Megan in a Tyvek at the uh, top of a ladder working on a unit just out of reach.
1: Squeeze between a unit yeah. and a fan. Like my I back is pushing fan that is... fan out of the way.
2: <laughs> I was going to say the fan is right there.
1: And it's the that ladder is as close to a rack as it can. So you can see where and I'm just trying to open the unit enough to see if the drains clogged because they had a mm. um, leaking issue. So I'm barely even needing to open the unit, let alone get to the blower cabinet, which is unaccessible. And then if you look We've, in the background, you can see how high some of those dehumidifiers are, too.
2: Oh, yeah, we we have this or a similar issue because the reason I like to do commercial or it's like light commercial um, is because either it's going to be the worst part of it or that I thought the worst part of it was um, it was a reach in or the prep coolers in the kitchen right like where you said i might get stepped over and stuff like that i got real comfortable with that after a couple years i was fine with that and then i was like okay i'm gonna be either there or on the roof right because everything's on the roof Mm -hmm. rtus walk-in condensers and stuff we started getting customers that are in like plaza uh little plaza malls you know strip malls and there's a few of them that have these uh air handlers suspended in the ceiling but it's the uh you know you got to move over the ceiling tiles to even get to that attic area and i'm like my god you know i have to go up there to check the drain lines and you know one of them is right over the register and i'm like how the hell do i set up a ladder here (laughs) Mm -hmm. and
1: uh yeah
2: and i think one of the customers was like can we change these out and this and that And i'm like look i'm gonna fix it as much as i can we'll see after because i Like I I would probably pass off the work just because like there's so much stuff. It's kind of like this. There's so much beams, uh, pipes, different things that you have to be or that are in front of the unit. I can barely even get to the drain lines half the time. And then they have all this communication wire now because they have a Mm -hmm. a room full of like routers and, you know, whatever it is, because they do all this online ordering systems and stuff like that. And all that is just laid there right on or like next to the units and stuff like that so i i thought i had it made because i was like oh yeah rooftop units this and that and then i have to deal with this too
1: (laughs) yeah i'll take a rooftop unit any day
0: (laughs) everything goes slower on top of a ladder like that
1: because you can see how much like unistra is everywhere for to hold the lights and (laughs) all the power and drains and
2: so this is after uh, they've like you said, they have the the room cleared or is this on you? Yeah, room? so okay. this is uh, rooms
1: is rooms been cleared and we're hanging a DU for them in a serviceable location.
0: <laughs> That's a air handler coil, six months old.
1: No filters.
0: Yep.
2: Oh, OK. Is that oil? is that something you see? Because I, I have a customer, a, a chain that they always forget about the filters.
0: Well, we often hear the line like, well, it wasn't working really good with the filters, so we took it out. <laughs>
2: Oh, they take them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: If they're using filters. We have a lot of customers who refuse to use filters too. Like, well, your coil becomes your filter then.
2: So then they just depend on the, on the cleaning. Yeah.
0: Until it gets so bad, it breaks down. And then we you know, you got to force the cleanings on some of them. Others they'll clean preemptively. You know, this particular facility, like they spray. So the plants need nutrients both in the water and on the leaves. So they'll just go spray all sorts of nonsense, like molasses based, things compost tea like ground up fish meals like some of the just gross you know and like it's for the plants but like this is where it ends up you know and this is what a lot of the coils look like where you know you they just need deep cleaning good filtration you know like the controls need cleaned up like the pink slime that's the same pink that loves to live in the condensate drains you know it just it'll just take hold in, in these like if it gets a good environment, it'll just start
2: going.
1: Oh, electrical that gets ran underneath units to where we can never access a unit. <laughs> this is mild compared to some of them, but it's like, that's marooned up there now.
2: Yeah, like we had a, we had one that I didn't get the call. One of my guys did and he managed to, to you know, work through it, but uh, it was one of those suspended ones that I was talking about and it needed a blower motor and I was mm-hmm. thinking yep. back to it, like when, when we got the call in, I'm like, how the hell are we going to do that? But he he had help, but he managed, it took him a day <laughs> just to get yeah. that changed out. But we got, we, he made it work.
1: I just did one of those the other day where I had to move the ceiling tile supports. I had to move electrical. I had to move the unit support slightly just to barely get the blower motor out. It took an extra hour, just moving stuff and being on top of a ladder to get it out.
2: And then I have one and I've dropped ceiling tiles, and I get so upset when I drop them because you know, then mm-hmm. they break. Um, I I have a, a customer that their chain has drive through ice machines and I hate them, because like oh. I have to go in before they open and that's my only window, because mm-hmm. obviously they're they're that it's a it's a fast food place. Our drive through is right is busy all the time and the ice machine is right by the window, and uh, they started putting in uh, units or they have, I guess like when they remodeled, from the counter to the ceiling, that's the unit. I cannot remove any panels and it's up against the wall too. So the last one that I had to repair, of course, the, the solenoid, the, the hot gas bypass, there's one that's easy access on the, on the left side because that's the side that's open, but no, it had to be the one on the right side. Right. So I had to remove all the ceiling stuff, remove, uh, just to open up the top panel kind of shift over the unit and then like, kind of like squeeze in there. Cause I don't like, I didn't want to take the unit down. And, and do my repair but man like they don't think about the the service you know most of the time right
1: yeah we run into that most on the older style dehumidifiers where we need to drop a dehumidifier because the way it's <laughs> hung we can't get the panels off to access what we need to like that's a dehumidifier i'm putting on a low uh a name there because we name everything so we can track it and even know what we began to work on because oh that was old- a
2: yeah, that was another question I had. Like, you guys deal with, like, a a lot of equipment just at equipment. one customer, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: There might be 50 pieces of HVAC equipment, let alone the 50 dehumidifiers on site, yeah, plus their is- humidifiers, plus their uh, filtration, like... And sensors. Sensors, So, yeah.
2: do these, are these ever labeled, or is that something you guys are doing on your own?
1: Very rarely is a facility labeled. Yeah. like we i
2: I deal with like five rtus and i get upset when they're not labeled
0: we actually just had a facility where somebody printed out all the labels and all of the units say rtu one like (laughs) every single 18 units on the same roof like what is this
1: like don't worry i'll make you some labels for my own sanity
2: (laughs) you guys uh cut up your own uh labels and do your own your own thing there
1: absolutely
0: yeah, I highly recommend it for anybody who's trying to figure out how to label equipment. Just because if you're going to bring in like a spray can and stencils, you got to worry about the overspray and all that jazz. And like buying little little numbers can be outrageously expensive. Like it'll take you an hour to figure out how to use a vinyl cutting machine. And then you'll have the perfect size, super professional labels on everything. Because often a service call at a new facility will start with like, yeah, the dehu was leaking like okay which one like uh yeah. the one in the corner you i know? think it so. was this
1: room okay well there's four in this room do you yeah. have any idea
0: so it saves it saves time on like what unit it was it's definitely number three but then the people who have been most appreciative are like the accounting departments mm-hmm. you know at the end of the mm-hmm. day they're like hey we've been paying bills at this facility for 10 years we never knew <laughs> you know that we had this many units or that the number four is always the broken one. Right. Open them up to do asset tracking that they were never able to do before.
1: There's three tiers in this photo. If you look closely,
0: Uh, three levels of plants.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. I see.
0: And these systems. So they're like, they're adapted pallet racking, right? So it's a similar like steel rack system, but they're sitting on a track. And so they can move like to the left and to the right. So the whole room will be loaded with uh, tiers like this, and there'll mm-hmm. only be one walkway that moves between each rack, right? So you'll like slide the racks over to move the aisle way throughout the room just to maximize space. In markets where cannabis is licensed by square footage, you know then it's the name of the game is getting as much square footage as possible. Some markets are licensed by plant count. You know, and that's more towards like how big or how many plants I can get into a space. You know, so those markets are less like cramming every square footage in because you can only have so many plants. So like you will see a little bit of finesse between market to market because there they are not federally all one, regulated. you know, thing. Each state is its own little deal with its own little laws and its own little nuances.
2: Well, another picture. I see your little uh, uh, your shovel here.
1: Yeah, had to shovel our way to some snow, (laughs) (laughs) to a unit.
0: That's the wintertime service kits. That's the field piece charging blanket that goes on top of the unit, and that builds artificial head pressure to let you start setting your refrigerant. But it has a low
2: limit. I've only read about this stuff because I don't have to deal with that over here. It's like um, we do deal with low ambient issues. That is another call that I get sometimes when I know it's like a fairly new system or a change out that was done recently. I'm like, when did they charge this up, right? If they charge it up in the summer, yeah. they probably only went by, you know, their pressures or, or whatever. Um, because like the walk-ins and, and stuff here, they have receivers, but they probably didn't check the receiver level or anything like that. Right. They probably didn't accommodate for the winter charge. So I get called out. And I know when it happens because our weather is very back and forth. It could be like 70 one day and then it could be like 50, 40 the next day. And if I get a call that day and I'm like, well, was it working the other day? And they're like, it was working perfect yesterday. But now that it's like 40 degrees out, it's not working. So then we go check the charge. And and if it's a fairly new unit, I'm just going to, I mean, I'll I'll do a quick leak test, but I'm going to account it to somebody didn't know how to do the charge on that.
1: Yeah. And we even tell our customers like, you know, it's charged for now, but when it warms up, we should absolutely double check the charge.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially Uh, in, in... Places that like it fluctuates like that.
1: Yeah. So here's a, a fun situation. <laughs> this is how tall. So that looks be? like
2: the ice machine that I was talking about. It's like up to the ceiling.
1: That's a dehumidifier. That's how they are in most facilities. But this is a, also a three tiered rack. But this is a very high. These
0: well, ones don't move. So yeah, they don't be move. a little taller
1: <clears throat> than the moving ones. But like having to lay on top of the racking to be able to service this unit and change out its board.
2: Yeah, that doesn't look fun.
1: <laughs> no, especially knowing it's however many feet to the ground on the other side. There, <laughs> there's a little catwalk built on the one side, but not the other side.
2: Well, how many tiers up was this?
1: That's three
0: tiers. Well, that oh, you're would on the, be you're right? on the high one. She'd yeah. be on the fourth tier technically. There's three tiers oh, of yeah. grads, and yeah. that would be like the fourth tier.
2: Oh yeah, so you're on you're on the high one.
1: Yes. <laughs> gotta get in weird spots so and this is a prime example of how hard it is to work on some of these units like i'm working on a different unit that -hmm. i was able to capture this photo but we're both you know as high as we can get on ladders we can barely reach the unit we had to unbolt trays to be able to get a ladder into some of these rows but it's like all the electrical all the lights all the power like
2: so you guys are, are are on high ladders a lot of the times? Yes. I can't, I can't imagine.
1: <laughs>
0: <that>. <laughs> it depends on the facility, you know, and we try to facilities like this, we try to encourage them to have the ladders that are going to fit in their space, you know, mm. because it is such like only this one ladder fits in this one, <laughs> you know, like corner just right. All the equipment got put in with a man lift before the trays were in. It all looked good you know, at rough end stage, but now that all the trays and the light grid went in after it, now it's marooned up in cyberspace.
2: So uh, do, are you guys, do you guys ever have to gown up when you go into these places?
1: It depends on um, the facility, but yeah, like the picture of the Tyvek. Some people have us wear Tyvek. Some people wear, have us wear um, like lab coats. Others just mm-hmm. have us douse ourselves in, um, rubbing alcohol, trying to kill anything we're bringing in, oh, but we okay. also try not to go from facility to facility unless we absolutely have to.
2: So for the day, you're going to be, be spending that at one.
1: We try to, yeah,
2: okay. it depends,
0: you know, especially like flower room to flower room. They don't like that. You know what I mean? So you can also oh, you yeah. go from, from the flower room of one to the roof of another is not as big a deal or like, you know, just staying aware. Cause it's, it's bugs, you know, like little tiny I never, I
2: never would have thought of that.
0: Every facility runs their like operation different. Yeah. So so it's it's up to them.
2: It's not something that's like standard or anything.
0: Exactly. Some facilities have no, you know, like change of outfit, but they'll have little, like basically a puddle that you step in before each room to like get stuff off your shoes. But other facilities have like Tyvek Mm -hmm. and hairnets and you know, it it just depends on what they want to do.
1: Yeah. So this photo here, too, that's a fabric duct install on the wall in that black there.
2: Oh, OK. Because, that's a duct.
1: Yeah, that's all ducting. So that's one <clears throat> drop with four fingers on it.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. there's I've not a lot of that. room. We designed that actually with Fabric Air. Because, again, there's not enough room for duct work. And where are we going to put ducting? So this is a smaller room. So we were able to put it on the side walls. And it still work with their egress pathways because it's collapsible.
2: That is really interesting. I've never seen that fabric duct work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fabric duct is, it's pretty cool. There's applications where it's great, especially in like Mm -hmm. where you're at, like light commercial, I could see a lot of applications because it weighs like nothing. You know, when you're trying to get duct work up in a situation on a man lift where like (laughs) the spiral is going to be a problem, you know, like.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: But this job in particular, they wanted to be able to work in this gap and they can lean against the fabric and it'll just crush, you know, like it'll just get out of the yeah. way. It came out really oh. nice.
1: Yeah. I mean, it can be taken down and washed, too, which is really good for keeping the rooms clean. If there's a problem in a room. Is this is you green, lifting. Yeah. That's yeah. the genie CO2 lift. Highly recommend if anybody's. Oh, man. I was just talking to my dad here.
2: about that. That lift. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well worth every penny.
0: I would recommend the twelve unless you need the eighteen. Just okay. so that, like the working platform of the twelve when it's low is like closer to waistline. The working platform mm-hmm. of the eighteen footer is closer to like shoulder line. So when you're uh, getting people to load a heavy object on it, like the eighteen can be a little troublesome.
2: And you guys have videos here too. Yeah,
0: this is like walking through.
2: That's you know that's, <laughs> that's the a- trellis.
0: Really is the, the difference maker there. You know, like they did a good job on all that plastic netting, but if that was slacked on, there'd be just
1: plants. You
2: know, okay. What do we got here?
1: Those are three dehumidifiers.
0: Each one is what, 300?
1: 320 pints per day on each one of those. Yeah, and this so that's room. thousand pints <clears throat> per
0: day worth of dehumidification. Yeah. Actually,
1: that's if you look at the next picture, that's the same area as well. And you can see there's three more hung in the air there. <laughs> And this is just outside for one room so this room in particular has 17 dehumidifiers either ducted into it like these or in the room because there was no very limited room inside the room we had to duct them in because they built a room that was two tiers and didn't Mm -hmm. plan for the dehumidification like that room in particular 40 tons of cooling and 17 dehumidifiers just one room
0: they like in this that room in particular they were bummed because they had to give up a rack for that space like, <laughs> you guys like you'll be okay
2: so i think you yeah, yeah if it was if it was up to them they just fill it up with Absolutely.
0: everything uh-huh. it's usually the fire to, like when you go through plan review it'll be the fire chief like nope this egress <laughs> sprinklers like get all this out of here like yeah the problem is that they're just built really tight so you got to get your hand like in the gaps and crevices and peel off the foam insulation to get to the sensors and stuff. Like, you know, if you can work on big equipment, you can work on these all day long. They're really just more annoying than they are (laughs) difficult.
2: Well, that's what I, that's what I tell people with with like the reach and stuff, the the coolers that I see in the kitchens. I'm like, it's, they're not that hard to work on. It's just the space that you have. And then (laughs) like we mentioned earlier, you know, it gets crowded and stuff. Well, Megan, um, obviously You've been in the trade for a while now. You, you actually service this equipment, right? You work on yeah. this stuff you've learned to, well, you said you had uh DIY stuff that you did before, right? Or you said that they mentioned that you were good with uh, your hands or mechanically, and you got into HVAC after that.
1: Yeah. So I've always been willing to learn new trades and things. So like on my house, like I le- teach myself to tile or oh, okay. solder to do new water lines, like install kitchen cabinets, flooring, whatever it is. like. I'll teach myself to do it.
2: You were a trade (laughs) trade person at heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, growing up too, like I helped my dad with everything. Like we didn't hire anything out. Like if the house needed a new roof, we were roofing it. We needed new windows, we were putting in windows. So I had the privilege of being the one to help with all that. So like it's always been something I've enjoyed working with my hands, learning to fix things, build things, etc.
2: That's awesome because like that that's how I was too. Like I helped my dad. We we, like you said, we did uh, when we needed new uh, shingles and, and the roof work, did that. My grandfather was a mechanic. You know, I was in his shop a lot uh, at his house shop. And then uh, everybody in the family always did something, and I was always like intrigued by it. And that's kind of how yeah. I got into HVAC, too. I
1: mean, I have a lot to learn. Like, I feel like I barely know anything, to be honest.
2: Um. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, happens, it day, happens to all of us. So Cause uh, th- this trade is evolving mm-hmm. like nonstop too. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And if you're not learning something new every day, you're probably in the wrong trade. Like, cause everything that's, is that's... evolving so much
2: all the time. And that's, and that's what I love because I get, I'm the type of person that gets bored really easily. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like to be doing the same thing all the time. So like I get to see different equipment every day. I get to be challenged and I actually like that, right. When, a, when you're having a hard time with equipment or trying to learn something new, I like that. I like being able to figure things out. Let, let me just ask you real quick. I don't want to dwell on it, but being a woman in the trades, because I get a lot of requests for having more women on the show and, and getting their experience on that. Did you have a tough time coming into this trade? Cause it's so male dominant.
1: You know, when I first got into HVAC and like took that sales job, I was a little concerned. Like I was platinum blonde, you know, I dyed my hair back natural <laughs> cause I wasn't going to be the dumb blonde who didn't know anything. But luckily I had, um, good contractors who was, who were willing to work with me and teach me stuff, but I would be very open and honest about it. Like, Hey, I don't know what that part is. Do you have a minute that you can explain it to me? Or do you, can you text me a picture? So I know exactly what you're working with, you know, so not being afraid to ask questions is very key. Um, when I first moved to the contractor side of the business, there was a lot of pushback because I'm just Mm -hmm. a woman. What do I know? These guys have been doing it. The employees were, you know, 30 years, whatever. But it's like, why do I have to teach you that you don't have to go get an OEM gas valve? It's a Honeywell. Like, can I go get it from a different part's house for a third of the cost? Yeah, like it's the same thing. It's out Mm -hmm. of warranty. Who cares? Let's go get it here and pay $100 versus $300. Yep. So there is a lot of pushback there, but I think being able to work in it every day and grow is key. But for our clients, I think it's actually helped me being a woman Mm -hmm. because they're Mm -hmm. less intimidated. We get very different responses talking to people. (laughs) You know, they're not afraid to call me. They're not afraid to ask questions, but they also know I'm going to show up and I'm going to fix a problem for them. So I I think it helps in what we're doing right now. But I think if I was in it more every day and even probably in um, like residential going to people's houses, I would probably get more pushback than I do now.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because I've had a, a few women on the show and getting their, their different uh, responses is like, like you said, residential. And for whatever reason, I even had um, uh, Johnny Castro on here a few weeks ago, and he talked about just somebody looked him up and down. He's Hispanic. He's in dark complexion, and they refused to let him in. and. Okay. The same thing with with the women that I've had on here, they say that they show up and then they're like, "Well, when is the real tech going to show up?" or something like yeah. that, right? So it's it's a shame. I, I I do like that I'm seeing more women out there. Um, I believe you guys are on, or you, Megan, are on TikTok, right?
1: Yeah, our TikTok pages, from my perspective alone, just to try to promote more of the woman side of. It,
2: and I, I've seen a lot of women on the on the TikTok side too, and they're and they're great they are so doing a lot of installs service work and they're they're out there fixing stuff so I, I love to see it and uh i hope to see more of it
1: yeah i'll try to get better about posting sorry guys
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know if you guys have anything you want to close on we're at over an hour and a half now i, I told you i'm oh, pretty bad okay. about doing that <laughs>
1: really what time it was <laughs> Um, this,
2: this always happens, and I, I feel bad about it.
1: We're mechanical environments on every platform. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, our Instagram pushes to Facebook, not that we really interact on Facebook much. TikTok is, from my perspective.
0: We got some stuff on YouTube.
1: YouTube, Matt likes to put videos up there. Yeah, um, if you need
0: help with low ambient controls, I got some good YouTube stuff up there.
1: Yeah, or taking apart mini splits and cleaning them and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of that up there. If you want to see some dirty, dirty units, go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Cannabis HVAC, like you're going to be on ladders. Uh, There's going to be a lot of cleaning stuff, a lot of dehumidification, you know, but there are, there are good customers. Mm -hmm. They can't stay in business without you, you know? So it's, it's a give and take relationship. Like we really like the niche that we're in.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah. You do have to be 21.
2: Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that.
1: (laughs) So just as a, anybody who's looking, any of the young ones trying to get in, like you do have to be 21, unfortunately, because you have to sign in legally to every facility.
2: Oh, so. Okay, I didn't even know that. I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, yeah, we... well that, that's that's great. I I've, I've seen some of your content, you know. Hopefully you guys post more. Um I really appreciate you guys for making the time to come on here. It was yeah. fun. It was interesting to find out about uh your side of the industry because I've don't think I've heard too much of it and uh, I know now a few people that do it. So it's always interesting to to hear it and and see what what you guys have to go through and, and the obstacles and different things, because that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Working around plants and, like you said, being high on on ladders and stuff. So, thanks for sharing you guys' uh, story.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. thank you so much for having us.
0: Yep, we'll be at the Tactical Awards. Yeah. And- oh, you guys HR. will be at the
2: award show. Yep. yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. We okay. Went last I'll, year.
2: It was fun. I'll be there. Um, I, last year I was only there for like I think a day. Um. But I'll, I'll be there at the award show. I'll be there at the uh, AHR convention. And awesome. uh, hopefully I, I get to see you guys there.
0: Sounds yeah. great. It's going to be a we good look time. Forward to
1: it.
2: All right. I appreciate you guys uh, for coming on. Anybody watching or listening. I'll see you guys.
1: See ya.